I'm Scott Parrish for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Heather Bushman. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. In our last episode, episode 13, we talked about the pros and cons of opioids for pain management. Today on N Equals One, we're looking at an opioid alternative, an approach called neuromodulation. Yeah, that's right. So in the last episode, when we talked about opioids, both how they can be really helpful to patients in chronic pain, but then also obviously how they can be misused and abused and become a problem, I started hearing more and more about some alternatives to drug therapies for pain, and one of them was this concept of neuromodulation. Neuro meaning brain, and modulation meaning change in some way, right? So literally changing your brain and how you perceive pain. More specifically, we're gonna talk today about a neuromodulation device called a spinal cord stimulator. So we'll talk to an expert who works with a lot of patients for whom he prescribes this device, and then also a patient who has used it. What is a spinal cord stimulator? What does it look like? I'm picturing bionic people, mostly (laughs) human, but part machine. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it really is a device that's implanted and that you wear around all the time. Picture a small battery pack with a couple of wires coming out of it. Here's how Dr. Mark Wallace describes it. He's the chair of the Division of Pain Management here at UC San Diego Health. So neuromodulation is a safe, minimally invasive uh, technique that involves placing a, a, it's like a small wire about the size of a spaghetti noodle into the epidural space. And the way I can best explain it, because people can relate to epidurals, labor epidurals, same thing. It's no different than putting a catheter in that, it, it's done, it's, the, the wire is placed the same way you would place a catheter in a, a woman undergoing labor. So I think most people can relate to that. Yeah, uh, sure. And um, we use x-ray guidance to advance the, the wire just over the back of the spinal cord. And then we use that to send electrical impulses into the spinal cord. And the spinal cord is, is kind of thought of the gateway to the brain. So you can modulate it through passing very small levels of of electricity. Are spinal cord stimulators a new thing? No, I was surprised to find out that they're not. I mean, I hadn't really heard of them before and I don't know anyone who has a spinal cord stimulator. But it turns out that anesthesiologists and pain management specialists have been using these since the 1980s. It's just that now the technology has advanced much farther than it used to be, starting with rechargeable batteries that became available in the early 2000s. Who uses these things? People living with chronic pain, right, but not just any pain. Uh, And not just pain in your back. You would think that that's really what it would be used to treat since they're being implanted in your spine. Dr. Wallace says, Um, It's not for everybody. It has to be a, a, a type of pain and the region of the body that would be amenable to this therapy. So for instance, headache uh, is not going to be amenable to spinal cord stimulation. However, there is um, a lot of research uh, using um, nerve stimulation and uh, like around the the facial and head to treat headaches. That's called peripheral nerve stimulation, which would be different from the spinal cord stimulation. So the, the most common, by far the most common, is, is, is what we call failed back surgery syndrome. So these are patients that have had multiple back surgeries. 
and they have, and and uh, it's also quite often used in um, what we call neuropathic pain syndrome. So, pain after nervous system injury. So, for instance, peripheral neuropathies, uh, uh, you know, nerve injuries in the of the leg or the arm. One of the things I ask the patient is, if, if, does your pain go away when you lie down or rest? If the answer is yes, it's probably not going to respond well to, sti to stimulation. However, if they say, I can't escape my pain, it's there 24 hours, seven days a week, regardless of if I'm sitting, standing, walking, that's a good patient for stimulation. That's probably neuropathic, that's uh, some sort of nervous system injury. Here's an example of how a spinal cord stimulator can help. I met a UC San Diego Health patient by the name of Stephen Larrabee. And we talked by cell phone, so I'm going to admit the audio is not great, but he has a pretty amazing story. In 1997, Steve was working up on some scaffolding as a plaster working on some stucco when the scaffolding gave way and he fell 28 feet to the dirt. Here's how he describes it. Buddy that was on the ground, he said, I ended up lying like Superman straight into the dirt. He did the hand bone and uh, that's how the nerve so damaged. So Steve has lived with chronic nerve pain in his hand for decades and he's tried everything. He's been off and on opioids, he's had nerve blocks, and really it nothing worked until he found the spinal cord stimulator. Over the years, he's actually had different stimulators implanted as the batteries needed to be replaced and things like that. Now Steve has a next generation stimulator that not only has a rechargeable battery, but also operates at a higher frequency. He says it works better and fortunately, it shouldn't have to be replaced for quite some time. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. I imagine there are different types of these spinal cord stimulators? Yeah, there's a few variations and like I said, they're getting better and better all the time. At the moment, they vary mostly based on the frequency of stimulation and the type of battery pack. Here's Dr. Wallace with more details. Right now, there's three companies that manufacture what we call paresthesia-based uh, stimulators. And uh, the, 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 but they're, they're different in that they, they have different uh, technologies. Uh, I mean, it's it's based on on electrophysics. I don't know if you remember your days of physics and in, in college. Yeah. Ohm's <laughs> law, uh, voltage. Uh, it's voltage Sounds impedance familiar. and resistance, <laughs> and so all of them are based on that. So, if impedance goes up, current goes down. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so the voltage has to go up to maintain that current. So, so they all are different, and then some of them, there's one that's constant voltage, there's one that's a constant current, there's one that's what we call multiple independent current control. You know, who, which one is best, nobody knows. I mean, I have my biases, but the, there's never been any head-to-head -head comparisons. Another one is the high frequency. Mm, that's, right. That's mm -hmm. the, the high frequency. Yet there's another company with the dorsal ganglion. So I want to know, how, how do these spinal cord stimulators work? That was my big question too, and it turns out it's not 100% clear, but there are a couple theories, both related to blocking pain signals from reaching your brain. Mm -hmm. Dr. Wallace explains it like this. One theory is called the gate control therapy theory, and the gate control theory was published back in 1965 by uh, two scientists, Melzack and Wall. The best way I can describe it is if you, let's say you or doing a hammer and you hit your thumb with a hammer 
what's the first thing you do? Well, you rub it. Rubbing makes it feel better. What rubbing is doing is it's activating a lot of these large fibers that flood the, the uh, spinal cord and they shut the gate to the pain, the pain fibers coming in. So one theory is that the, the spinal cord stimulation is doing the same thing. It's activating some pain fibers within the spinal cord that are shutting the gate, preventing those messages or uh, most of the, the pain messages to get to the brain. One other, the other theory is that it activates what we call descending modulatory uh, pathways. So you can modulate pain coming in from up, up in your brain, right? By relaxation, meditation, distraction. And, and that's because you're able to, to activate descending pathways that kind of shut down the, 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 the... So one of the theories is that the spinal cord stimulation is, is activating some descending fibers that kind of modulate these impulses from coming in. And so how long do the spinal cord stimulators stay in? It depends on the device. And of course, as they get better and better, they can stay in longer and longer. There's a difference between what the FDA approval is and what reality what people is. people do, sure. So the FDA approval for one of the companies is only five years. It goes way much longer than that. We're probably talking 20 or 30 years. Wow. wow. The, the FDA approval for the other ones are nine years. But again, they're probably going to go beyond that. The first rechargeable battery that I put in when it came out was in 2004. So now we're 12 years later and they're still going. I mean, they're not, and they have no, no trouble holding their charge. So I know these stimulators have been around for a while, but how common are they? Well, it's not the first thing they try, right? I mean, it's not like you walk in and say, I'm having some pain and they say, here you go, let's go to surgery. Um, like Steve, patients usually try a number of things before it becomes evident that really the only thing that can probably help them is one of these spinal cord stimulators. Dr. Wallace says that he and his team might implant six or seven in a month, and, but maybe the next month they only implant one. But of course their team is quite multidisciplinary, so they have a lot of different approaches to treating chronic pain that they're experts in. And actually that means they probably end up implanting fewer than some other programs might. What are the pros and cons? The main pro is that for the right person, it can be highly effective and help them get off those opioids, right? But of course the downside is it does require an invasive procedure. As Dr. Wallace says, You are implanting a device and there, there are any time you, uh, and with any invasive procedure, there are risks associated with it. The most common risk is migration. If it's, but, but the thing is that even with migration, if it does it can migrate some because we have the technology, we just can reprogram it. We can change the contacts. It's like a, a wire. A wire goes from here to here. Well, if you have a big long wire and you're using the middle contacts and it remigrates, you just move the contact up to regain it. If it, if it goes too much, you just have to replace it. And then the, um, the risk of uh, infection. That's really low though. I mean, I've been doing it for 25 years, and I, I maybe count on maybe one. Uh, it's just not very common. And here's Steve Larrabee, who loves his spinal cord stimulator, describing his personal experience with it. I'm just really happy with it. And I've, I've actually, Dr. Wallace has asked me 
for, hey, you know, one of my one of my patients is looking into, and I give them your phone number that called me and I explained to them it's a pretty hardcore surgery. Yeah. Especially when they have to keep you awake, so, you know, uh, have to give them those locations. You know, like, oh, it's zapping my left shoulder or my right calf or mm. um, my, my butt cheek or <laughs> <they're> <laughs> yeah. just, and um, sneezing, I really have a hard time sneezing. My neck hurts and that's just something that, you know, I, I can deal with. It, mm -hmm. It's uh, going to get better. But during the during the big storm, I I feel it in my neck more than oh, wow. and and in my neck where the the um, wire goes through, it's like just right under the skin of my neck. Mm -hmm. And when it's really cold, it gets it gets really cold. <laughs> just that wow. little wire. Um, I'm not. I've never been a scarf kind of guy, but. I have a dozen scarves now that <laughs> I'll wrap around my neck. But for Steve, the benefits definitely outweigh the downsides. I would do it over again once a year if I needed it, especially with this new system. Okay, so let's go back to the opioid issue. Are spinal cord stimulators really a good alternative? Well, like I said, the spinal cord stimulators aren't for everyone, but they can definitely help people manage their chronic pain without drugs. I've been doing this for 25 years, and I got into pain medicine when we didn't have very much at all, and we were pushing the opioids. Yeah. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. We created a crisis yeah. in this country. I honestly think we made a mistake yeah. with how we pushed the opioids. And we are the... the, the the number one consumer of opioids in the world, yet we have no better disability rates, no better pain control. In fact, the, I think the studies are coming out that chronic use of opioids worsens disability, worsens function, and then you have the risk of overdose and all the overdoses and everything. And I think that we, what, we, what we did is we pushed, put like neurostimulation as a, uh, we, we put opioids as a more conservative therapy as neurostimulation because neurostimulation, neuromodulation, is an invasive procedure. So what we're realizing is, wait a minute, this is a safer and more effective therapy than, than, than putting somebody on chronic opioid. I think it should be moved earlier in the pain treatment continuum. So, yeah, you don't want to put it up front. I'm not going to, I mean, I'll, most people it's a small percentage of the people that walk through my door into my clinic that are going to be, even be candidates right. for stimulation. And then it's even less of those that even get stimulation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the candidate for it, but then once you start, you start saying, well, okay, we haven't tried this. Maybe let's try this. Or maybe they're, they have a psychological makeup that needs, we need to work on or mm -hmm. something. But if you select them, it's, these are the patients that uh, disappear from their practice because they don't need me. And Steve says the spinal cord stimulator helped him get off opioids, too. I've gotten off the Oxycontin and the MS-Cotton and the morphine, and I, I've gotten all 
you know, where I just stopped taking it and I'm mm. sick for three days and then it's over. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Wallace has always went, um, how did you do that? Well, you know, <laughs> I weaned as much as I thought I needed and then I would just flush the rest. And um, he would just go, wow, you know, there's not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. But um, I've got a strong mind, and, yeah. you know, when I set myself up as, like, I'm going to get off this stuff, I uh, got off it and stayed off it. What's life really like for Steve and other patients who use these spinal cord stimulators? They can lead really active lives, actually, right? So Dr. Wallace told me about another patient who had an extreme upper extremity pain, but is now able to run marathons with his spinal cord stimulator in. Of course, you can't just walk right out of the OR running marathons. It takes a few months for scar tissue to settle and to recover from that procedure having it implanted. Right. Uh, the leads, those kind of wires that go up the spinal cord can also migrate a little and move around, but uh, methods to anchor those are getting better and better. And of course, there's Steve who can't do everything, but is very happy with life with his current spinal cord stimulator. Good. So much better. I can drive with it on. I can drive with the old system. I would have to turn it almost off. I've always worked with uh, juveniles at risk, juvenile uh, mm. delinquents, but I wasn't comfortable on the pain meds dealing with, with these kids. I wouldn't work. So it, I was really limited. I, I do a lot of hiking. I can tolerate the pain now. I mean, it's been mm -hmm. years and years. So, um, you know, it's just my life. <laughs> Steve's in his 50s, and he told me that where he used to just hope to make it to 60, he now has a goal of living to 100. That's awesome. Well, we wish Steve the best of luck. We'll have to make a note to check back with him at his 100th birthday. <laughs> Who knows what spinal cord stimulators and other neuromodulators will be like then. That's it for this episode. I'm Scott. And I'm Heather. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>